Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, this is the second episode of the year 2020, and I've got a special treat. I've got the second person to ever have been on the podcast in 2019. Welcome back, Keeb. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to be back. How is your 2020 going so far? We're six days in. Uh, actually, very well. I didn't make any specific um, resolutions, though I am following through on being a happy and healthier person. So that's good. That's great. Yeah. There was a, a tweet that I put the other week or something that was like talking about uh, resolutions. That's so old and tired. But talking about the tide is turning is way more mysterious and fun. So that's what I'm doing. I'm saying the tide is turning in 2020. Oh, I like that. I'll, I'll go with that as well. <laughs> I also picked up a book of questions and answers. Every day it's got a question for you to ponder. And uh, let's just uh, totally off topic here. Today is the sixth. Today, uh, oh, okay, this is interesting. Today was tough because dot, dot, dot. And then you fill it in like a little journal. You think about it and then um, it's something to look back on throughout the year. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. My uh, uh, I, my lady at home would be interested in something like that. Mm -hmm. Got it at Target, so she should go uh, go browse the book area in Target. That's her favorite place, so I'm sure she <laughs> already has. Very cool. Well, would you like to promote anything? Social media streams, anything like that? Absolutely. Uh, I stream mainly on or only on Twitch, so it's twitch.tv slash keyplays. Also, keyplays on Twitter. Those are the two... Um, most active things for me to catch me on. I am on everything else under the same moniker, but mm -hmm. uh, Twitch and Twitter seem to be that working for me the best. Very cool. And do you have a schedule you want to reveal at the moment for your streams? Um, usually, um, well, it's going to be in the mornings or in the week, and then on the weekends um, towards the afternoon, Pacific Standard Time, I usually start around um, uh, 10 or 11 and go into the uh, late afternoon. Mm -hmm. And as of that stands, my schedule right now. Okay, cool. So, as I said earlier, you were the second guest ever on the podcast way back in 2019. And pulling back the curtain, uh, we actually recorded in December 2018 so that I would have content ready to go at the beginning of 2019. And it's been a whole year. So uh, this episode of yours on Friday the 10th is almost like exactly a whole year between your first episode and second episode. So thank you so much for being the second guest, for being again the second guest on the second year of the podcast. Well, I like that we have a uh, some uh, continuity going here, and uh, I'm honored to be here. I really do appreciate it. I have a good time doing this. Oh, that's good to hear. Thank you so much. So 2019 was a big year in Magic. Oh, yeah. And a big year in Magic Arena, the latest and greatest way to play. More people got in on Magic in 2019, Magic Arena specifically, because of it being out of the closed beta, about being on par with like standard legal sets and such. So any general thoughts on anything Magic-related or Arena-specific? Um, I'm actually really enjoying Arena, um, despite the client being a little buggy at times. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really enjoy it. I have actually uh, put down uh, real money for the battle passes. I've, I think I've done the last two. Mm -hmm. um, I don't always complete them, but I find it worth my time to purchase them. So I do. Um, uh, and I do like what they're doing, adding different types of modes and different types of events. So I think, I mean, definitely Magic has never been more popular. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's doing a good job of, of, of keeping it there. Um, the really only divisive thing I think they've done is make that Brawl-A-Days pass. I think some of the community didn't like that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think everybody's happy with the structure that's going on right now, myself included. Um, I do all my dailies to get the gold in order to do drafts because that's what I like to do the most. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they, I think it's fairly balanced where I can stack, I can miss three days of arena. Mm-hmm. I can log on and do three days worth of dailies and not feel like I lost out on anything. Yeah. And then um, I've actually been able to buy, uh, kind of going off tangent here, but I've been able to buy the um, the new pets they've added as well just because oh. of the amount of gold I had and I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was wasting it. So uh, sure. I'm actually pretty happy with where arena's at right now. That's interesting to to talk about the pets. Yeah, like that was the very first one that was added was the was the fire cat or the ember cat, right? And then we had the little fox. Then we had mm-hmm. a little dragon, and now we're getting that uh, you know Cerebus like sort of thing. Um, which of the ones that have come out so far have you liked the best of those pets? Uh, I actually like the little dragon the most. Um, he's just super cute. And if you click <laughs> him, he does a couple different little animations, including putting half an egg on top of his head. Oh. Um, so I, I, I really think um, the dragon's one of my favorites. They're all cute in their own right. Um, I did purchase for the 20,000 gold the uh, Cerberus three-headed dog. I think it's, I had it up here. It's like Pearl Burroughs or something. It's a, it's yeah. a card actually as well in the new set. Yeah, um, I think the one that that prevents the uh, escape mechanic, I believe. Oh, it, it's actually Kunoros Hound of a Theros, I think. Mm-hmm. And you may there may be two cards for that, but um, this one's Vigilance, Men- Men- Menace, and Lifelink. Mm-hmm. Creature cards and grave. Oh, you're right, exactly. I'm sorry. It prevents escape, so creature cards and graveyards can't enter the battlefield, mm-hmm. and you can't cast spells from graveyards. That's just an example of like people being able to bling out their experience on arena. You know, in real life, we have the play mat that we love or the sleeves that we love. And arena gives us these cosmetics like uh, these pets. Now, when the uh, Ember Cat came out, um, I got it for free when I was part of one of the early access streamer events. And uh, it was cool, but I never bought it myself on my regular account. And then the Fox one came out and I thought, hey, this one's actually, even though I'm more of a cat person, I think the Fox one's a little cuter than the cat. And the dragon one, I didn't know that it had multiple animations. I just saw the one that it kind of like belched out a little bit of fire, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like it also does something else cute. And then the new uh, Kuronos sounds also pretty fun. So I wonder what else pet wise we will get or cosmetic wise care to speculate on anything um i i don't think i can speculate because i feel like the ones they've chosen already i would have never guessed if that Mm -hmm. makes sense like the whelp or whatever so Mm -hmm. i don't really think speculations in order i do hope um i do like the fact that the fox is upgradable like you get the uncommon common and then the rare yeah um i would like them to and it's like an armor set for the fox i would like them to do more stuff like that um, that lets you earn things um, as you play. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. I picked up one of the, I guess they're called exquisite sleeves in Demir colors, which has like a Demir locket and then it glows and it's so mysterious when you hover your mouse over it. Have you picked up any sleeves? Um, I have. Uh, I can't tell you which ones exactly that I picked up, um, but I mean, I've gotten the ones that you've earned and then. Um, yeah, I think I've gotten the ones you earn and then any ones that you've gotten from events. I usually do the events where you can earn the stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you said about the battle pass, I think 
I probably will eventually get into it because from what I understand, even if you don't get it day one, you still get the various rewards and such if you get it like a week in or later into the season. Correct. It is retroactive. So anything that you have earned um, on, if you're playing the free tier, anything up until where you are at the free tier on the paid tier will be yours automatically as soon as you buy it. Oh, that's nice. So that it, then it doesn't feel like I needed to have the money at the right time or the gold at the right time and I could still jump in at any point. Exactly. It works out really good. How have you felt if, well, if you care about it, climbing the ladder, uh, how have you done in, in the ladder on these various seasons throughout 2019? I haven't really um, grinded it per se, but um, I definitely have done my share of uh, the ranked drafting. So that's probably what I've done most because that's the one you can buy in with the gold. Um, I do have some gems that I've been kind of hoarding, um, especially <laughs> because you earn gems if you do well in the drafts, the ranked drafts. But uh, I, I don't really worry about it too much, but I did get to gold, I think, in the ranked mm-hmm. at some point um, last season. Oh, cool. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Um, and I almost got my first uh, or six and oh or seven or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But then uh, on the last match, they matched me up against some monster drafter and I just got <laughs> murdered. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. I've um, over the last couple of sets, Corsa 2020 and Throne of Eldraine, I feel like I haven't been on my best game in draft for whatever reason. Like I can't quite crack those. Um, those formats very well. And I went back to try a Dominaria draft uh, this past stream that I did on Saturday, and I went five wins. I'm like, wow, I don't even remember how that was like. It's been so long. (laughs) And uh, I was getting like one win, two wins, maybe three wins on those two recent sets. And then to go back to Dominaria and then do a little bit better and the and the stream cheering me on was like, oh, that's cool. I guess I guess I can play magic sometimes. See, I, I'm actually the exact opposite. Uh, I've done better on the newer sets and um, not as well on those older sets. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Dominaria had Steel Leaf Champion, right? Yes. I yeah, the triple, the triple green, like 5-5 five, five or something. I love that card, yeah. But uh, that that was that's the only thing I know in Dominaria, so I wouldn't really be able to draft well. I would just kind of be winging it. Yeah. Well, I was also. I hadn't seen the cards very recently, and uh, I was using the untapped plugin that kind of gives you a little ranking of the cards that you draft on a scale of oh, one to wow. five from nice. from Luis Scott Vargas. So one of the big pros in magic, uh, he's got uh, this plugin. It's, I guess it's at untapped.gg. And it's a little thing that not only does it kind of keep track of your progress in these fun charts that I love, but apparently uh, it also you can turn it turn it on or off to give you some ranks, you know, some rankings of your various cards. So I'm like, should I get this card that seems fun or this card that seems good? And then Luis's pick says, get the one that's good, actually. Right. Uh, that sounds awesome. I got to check out the set. I didn't know about that. It's something I'll definitely use. Mm-hmm. I have noticed, or personally, I feel it's gotten harder to climb the ladder. I would consistently get to platinum, not too difficult, well, with with difficulty, but I mean, on the last three months or so, maybe four months, the last three months, I really have struggled to get past gold. And um, I I managed to get to diamond for the first time ever two months ago, but then not this past, these past two months, it's been just been really hard. And I guess that just shows that there's so many more people playing magic and just bringing their a game 
Absolutely. Again, I don't think magic's been any more popular than it is right now. Um, and I think also, um, you know, and I, I'm only comparing it just because it can be competitive and there's money involved. But like with Fortnite, um, you can make money from sitting at home and playing video games, right? Yeah. So I think if you really want to sit and take it very seriously and you can almost spend no money, I mean, it would be a lot more of a grind, but you can spend almost no money and build, you know, a, a, a deck that is worthy and you can actually get into something like say the mythic championship you know mm -hmm. um just by playing at home so i think that that's appealing to a lot of people at the moment too yeah there's a lot to aspire the the game is free to download free to play if you if you do the grinding or if you invest money you you get a little bit of a he heads up or a, a leg up and there could be something to aspire to in the future lots of money wizards is really putting in a lot of investment uh, into into all of this. I, I hope they continue to not forget like their original paper side of things, but um, I think wizards will will steer the ship right. I, I yes, I agree. I don't think that they should forget about the paper side, obviously, but I see why the digital draw is so much better. Mm -hmm. um, and for me personally, at my age and you know money wise with means, um, it just it offers such a great outlet for me to get that itch scratched, but not have to like have my you know the corner of your room with just stacks and stacks of cards, you know yeah. that either you're not going to resell, can't, or will never use. Essentially, you might as well make an armor set out of it, <laughs> like Amazonian or something, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, not that I don't like having the paper cards, but I, I agree with you. I think they just need to find some sort of balance there. Yeah, and as for myself with paper cards, I I think I'm finally going to, um, I think I'm I'm going to to bite the bullet and give a lot of them away just because I'm not using them and they're kind of stacking up here. So I think I'll give them away to the local card club, and if they can make cool decks out of it, then that'll be its own reward instead of me just holding on to them and hoarding them and gathering cobwebs. Yeah, I actually did exactly what you spoke about. I have a friend who owns a really cool place, and I'm not plugging it, but it's called, um, oh, what's it called? Wow, never mind. Um, but it's a El Prodigy Game Room mm -hmm. in, in East Hampton, Massachusetts. But yeah. uh, anyways, it's a big game place. They have every video game system you can think of, but they host uh, Magic Nights as well. And I knew that they allowed people to come for free and kids as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I donated all my old cards. I actually shipped them out there to him so they can build decks and teach the future generation of Magic players how to play Magic. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, let's give them a little plug. That sounds really cool. So what's their website or Twitter or anything you want to say? Um, it's called Prodigy Game Room. Again, it's in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Uh, it's just a friend of mine that uh, he was actually a music artist. His name is Jeff Bujak. He plays piano and makes some pretty good electronic music. Um, and so I, I just knew him from that. And then he stopped doing music and opened up this game room. And again, uh, just no, you know, no affiliation or any of that kind of stuff. Just something I thought was cool. So mm -hmm. I sent him out. I donated it to him. And uh, he said he would pay for shipping, but I told him don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Now, based on the name, I'm sure that they're constantly playing Prodigy music from the speakers. Uh, I, once in a while, maybe, but uh, no, it's a really cool kind of place. They have like a, you know, cool, cool sodas to get, and it's mm -hmm. it's you pay like thirteen dollars to go in, and you can play any system. They have uh, mm -hmm. mini golf and hook ring games and stuff. It's really cool. That very rare to have a place like that these days. So it's really cool, and I wanted to help any way I could. Yeah, oh, that sounds really cool. Have you done very much brawl in arena? 
I have not actually at all. Um, I just, I haven't had the time to get in and really figure it all out. I think I tried to do the brawl event that was free, mm -hmm. but I pretty much got beat up pretty bad. <laughs> I, when they did that free brawl event, I went with the, with the Alela deck. She was the fairy, the fairy deck. That's in the one I played as well. Oh, and I thought it was kind of fun because I thought it was kind of interactive in that it was letting you create fairies rather quickly and it had cool artifacts and enchantments and stuff. But uh, people that were doing the Tulane deck, uh, that one wizard guy, and then Korvod, the one dragon guy, um, those seemed like slightly stronger decks. So I could understand that like the real, you know, spike hardcore players uh, broke the format with, with the right decks and maybe you didn't get the best out of it. Yeah, pretty much. I, I just stepped in because it was free and you get the, the whatever cosmetics and stuff for playing the matches. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a, something I would like to explore further. Um, but I don't know if my magic game is tight enough to wrap my head around more mechanics and stuff, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah. Well, here's a self plug for me. I've got a video on my YouTube channel for building a brawl deck, a Demir brawl deck. What a surprise, you know, I play a lot of Demir, and this is um, based on the Brawlmander Etrata, the Silencer. So uh, she's got this alternate wind condition that she can attack and uh, is unblockable. And then if you, uh, and then when she's on, when she hits the opponent, you can then exile one of their creatures. And if you do it three times, they lose the game. So it's not like a top tier deck or whatever, but it's fun with some, you know, control magic and counter spells and kill spells and, and weird fun stuff. Hey, sometimes you can take down a top tier deck because they're just not used to yeah. used to fighting that, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe not prepared for some of the shenanigans. Exactly. Any thoughts on the future of Arena? Perhaps anything that you would like to that you would like Wizards to add to the client? I all right. I don't know if I can think of anything that I would like added. Obviously, if they could maybe add past sets and do some stuff like that. That mm -hmm. might be fun, but obviously they're focusing mostly on the current stuff. Um, I guess I'm just more worried about the actual client itself and it just running a little cleaner sure. and not having to like restart it every once in a while. And it definitely like locks up here and there. And I've had to like close the cl client and come back into it and it'll bring me back into the match. But mm -hmm. um, other than that, I mean, just c continue what they're doing. Um, maybe uh, if you could choose your um, the battleground you're fighting on, the actual like oh, sure. map, um, that would be something. That was actually something I talked about from the beginning. I thought would be a cool um, thing to add. Mm. Um, I never thought about pets, and they added pets, and that was awesome. So hopefully they <laughs> surprise me with stuff. I'll leave it up to the the people who make games to make games. Um, yeah. I'll just play whatever they put out. Yeah, I agree on that. I think they're going on a good track, and they've they uh, they'll continue to add things incrementally. I would. Uh, hope that they add uh, a Mac client. You know, I'm not on the Mac, but uh, more people playing more Magic is more good. So if they um, make the Mac version, instead of people having to dual boot it or however they, how, whatever Magic they have to do in order for it to work, I think we need a Mac client uh, soon enough. Yeah, that would be cool. I think... I was listening to some other podcasts recently, and they mentioned that they had heard somewhere that perhaps they're going to add stuff like uh, cube drafting or other sorts of things like that, advanced stuff like that, where they do put in cards from old sets or whatever, but you don't actually 
add them to your collection. You just play them. You just play with those cards at that moment, and then they just go back into the system, and they're not part of your part of your uh, collection, which might be cool if they put in some overpowered stuff. Um, did you play actually that one event recently where they where you could play with a black lotus? I did. I did actually play with that. Was that was that the one with Elspeth versus was that one that one? Yeah, Elspeth versus Ashiok. Yep, I did play that one. Mm-hmm. Did you manage to play with any of that power nine or that crazy stuff? I did actually. Um, yeah, I got to drop some of the mocks stuff that was <laughs> going on. And then uh, I think I got a soul ring out there too. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a lotus. Mm-hmm. Um, I played the Elspeth deck more. Deck more. Um, everyone was thinking the Ashiok deck was great, but I murdered with Elspeth. I <laughs> went like 6-0 and or something with Elspeth. One of my opponents on stream, they managed to summon the... They were doing Elspeth, and they managed to summon the Cavalier of Dawn on turn one with a Black Lotus. <laughs> wow. So that's a 5-6 on turn one. Wow. Well, then that's why that card is uh, revered as it is. Yes. So I think that might be kind of cool to add these sorts of, you know, high powered stuff in events where you don't actually get that Black Lotus as part of your deck. Because when they did one of the Momir events recently, they they put in a few ultra powerful cards. I think like Grizzlebrand was in there when you okay. when you got up to like eight mana or whatever so that that'd be interesting that's kind of what i'm looking forward to that they just kind of do weird phantom stuff in the client yeah that would be really cool or like some throw some dark rituals in there and just <laughs> ramp up that kind of stuff would be cool as well well like ramp if we are um if we're going for the moonshot i really want them to add him to torok um, that's the one that it's double black and have your opponent discard a card from their hand at random. None of this non-land <laughs> card shenanigans. Yeah, just, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> okay, well, uh, if you don't have any more thoughts on Arena, let's move on to the second topic. The um, There were several sets that were released in 2019. And of course, you know, the, the podcast focuses on Arena. But if you want to count anything that was released in, in Magic 2019, Modern Horizons, etc. What's uh, maybe some thoughts that you have on sets that were released in 2019? Um, I didn't really play any other ones except what went down in Arena. So I'm going to comment on those. Um, so I played all three, obviously, the core set is a core set um i thought war of the spark was gonna have bigger i thought it was gonna have more consequence on people's like decks and with all the the planeswalkers that came out Mm -hmm. but um i don't feel like there was they were like too overpowered to where it was crazy um Mm -hmm. because what was it like 30 something planeswalkers came out with that set right Mm -hmm. and then so i was thinking it was gonna make a bigger splash than it did and it really didn't in my opinion um and then eldraine came out and i really liked eldraine I was a very, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I well did, mm-hmm. but whatever it was, whether it be mechanics or just the card type or the synergy of some things, it just clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for, like I said, the ranked drafts and arena. Um, I just found like kind of the archetypes that worked for me. And then even when I couldn't draft the ones that I, you know, were kind of the meta, like I did like a, a mono green deck that went six and oh, and then mm-hmm. eventually six and three, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it was just interesting. I had a lot of fun doing that, um, you know, and then the whole set was whatever. I'm not a huge into knights and that kind of um, that kind of lore stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I did like the way the set played. So uh, Eldraine was probably the highlight for me in 2019. 
That's cool. What about like the um, the story behind it and, um, you know, the lore aspect of it? Did you get into that as well? You said you, you weren't big on knights, but what about the fairy tale aspect of it? Um, I think that's cool. Uh, I didn't really um, like read into it, so I actually wouldn't be able to tell you much about the lore or what kind of went down within the set because um, I was just, I guess, busier playing it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think it, it, adding the whimsical and fancy to it was is cool. Um, and again, you know, there are sets and they change up all the time. So I was never not really upset about it. It's not necessarily my favorite. Like you can give me, say, like a Kamigawa set any day and I'll talk <laughs> to you for hours about that because I love ninjas and samurai and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. But um, on a whole, it was fun. But uh, I did the fairy tale stuff just didn't really ring a ring a ring a bell for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, since we already have the roadmap of 2020 and Kamigawa isn't on it, I'm going to call 2021 as the year of return to Kamigawa. I hope so. That would be really cool. I feel like I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, considering that they're already, and I don't want to skip ahead, but they're already skipping back to Theros, you know? So um, we'll see. I really hope it does. I really thought that, I don't know why I just bring it up, but I really thought that the ninjutsu mechanic was really cool, how you can cast one card and then slip in a different card. Yeah. So like that way, like if somebody's like, oh, I'm not going to bounce that back because I'm not worried about that. And then you just ninjutsu in a stronger, <laughs> you know, ninja that, that I thought that's really fun. Um, yeah. I don't think it was um, I don't think they explored it as much as they could have within the set, but I thought it was really cool. Well, they did a sort of a, a dry run and possibly bringing that back with Modern Horizons, you know, the set that wasn't on Arena, but people seemed to have liked it. I cracked a few boosters of it and I saw those ninjutsu cards and I never played during original Kamigawa block, and so I didn't know how powerful it was. But from people's reactions of the latest ninjas, it seems like, yeah, that's fun. Just like you said, here's something that's unblocked. But whoops, there's another ninja that swoops in instead and does something much better, more devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just think, yeah, I think it would be cool because it adds, um, you have to be a lot more, uh, you have to be a lot smarter with your control um, if that's what you're playing. Or, you know, or with your blocks, you know, be like, all right, maybe I should block this guy down because I know he can ninjutsu through, you know, or et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope it comes back. I did not know. Well, all right. So I did kind of see that it came back in Modern Horizons. But now that you're reminding me, I, I remember totally. And mm-hmm. that, could, you know, maybe they are exactly maybe they're testing the waters out just to see see if it's something they want to make happen again. Yeah, from what I remember of Modern Horizons, there were ninjas and slivers. Do you have any experience with slivers? I do have experience with slivers. Um, when I started to first get back into Magic, when it was Theros and um, the, the the other Theros release a couple years ago, like four or five years ago or whatever it was, um, they I went one of the Magic shops I went to had one of those uh, plastic blister packaged sliver decks. Mm-hmm. You know that like really expensive sliver deck, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so I know I do know about slivers, and I I played, I built one out like a really bad common sliver deck out of just like <laughs> a bunch of cards laying around at one of my local comic shops as well. So I do know what they are <laughs> and how they work. Towards the very first generation of me playing Magic in the late 90s, Slivers were just coming out in Tempest Block and such. So um, they were kind of pretty revolutionary that there were all of these creatures that would share their abilities together and then they could get very OP very fast. 
And then there was like a generation two sliver that people hated because it was too humanoid compared to these like alien looking spiky things. That's and right. so it was cool that they brought back the classic alien looking one for Modern Horizons. And I played someone in my um, tabletop play group recently. Well, we, we actually did like a big old crazy 10 player free for all game and he had to be the sliver player. So guess who was the first one to, to lose in the 10 player match? <laughs> the sliver guy. Yep. When he did his shroud sliver on turn two or whatever, it's like all slivers have shroud. Like, okay, great. But players don't have shroud. Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. I definitely remember the sliver because the blister pack pack I was talking about, there was an elf deck that featured all Atlanta orbs. And then, um, and then it was, it was basically, so they were selling those packs and he would do sl slivers versus elves or whatever. I don't remember what else was in those packs, but mm -hmm. that sliver deck got really expensive. I remember. And just because, yeah, they just start sharing each other's stuff. And then you get mm -hmm. all this like unstoppable small army would they all have whatever, whatever yeah. they're sharing, you know, ind indestructible. So now all slivers you have don't die, you know, yeah. like geez. Mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, another thing that wasn't on Arena, though, but is sliver adjacent and such. Uh, what about the secret layers? Uh, any interest on those? Did you pick anything up? Did anything even seem interesting to you? I did not pick it up. And I'm not going to lie to you. I really don't 100% know what's going on with that. Would you, would you care to explain to me? I did see it. Obviously, I follow a lot of people on Twitter uh, that uh, play Magic and stuff like that. So it always they always pop up in my feed, but I never really... 100% know what's going on. So if you want to run that one by me real quick, I can give you a little better opinion. Sure thing. So Secret Lair is this uh, brand new like quarterly release or whatever that uh, Wizards is going to do. I'm actually also going to send you a link right here. And what it is, is uh, it's just like a bunch of like themed items. The famous one is OMG Kitties. So it came with like five cat focused cards uh, in either like a foil treatment or alternate art and such. And there was one that had, uh, I think, Sliver Overlord or something. So it was a big old sliver. That, a powerful that was just the card I was talking about, too. That's oh, funny. okay, yeah. So they reprinted um, Sliver Overlord and two others that are these multicolored ones. So they had these themes. They had the, the multicolored. They all had, like, fun names. I'm forgetting them all. But the one I definitely remember is OMG Kitties. And it was literally called OMG Kitties. Mm -hmm. It had five cats and um, there was the one that was focused on fairy, so it had bitter blossom. So I th I thought it was really interesting. They were between twenty nine and thirty nine dollars each, or you can get all whatever five or seven of them for like three hundred dollars. And I didn't get any of them, but I kind of am kicking myself like, why didn't I get that cat one? I remember linking that to you. Now, now I do remember linking that yeah. to you. That's funny. <laughs> That's right, because I was like, and yeah, you were like, it's nice waking up to Magic and Kitties. That's what it was, I remember. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, I'm looking at it now, the Leonid War, War Leaders. <laughs> this is cool. So these are all just alternate versions of cards that you can play, essentially? Yes. So it's, yeah, alternate art versions. Some of them have been moved from, you know, non... I, I think some of them were moved around in terms of also... 
um, format, like some were available in one format, but not in another. And then it gave more people more access to them. And it really kind of also feels like uh, focused on Commander because these are just one of each. And that was kind of one of the negatives that people were saying that it's like the, the Bitter Blossom one is just one card, Bitter Blossom, but it comes with five fairy tokens. So Wizards was selling one card for $30, you know, in a cool little box and all of that. But it was just people were were like is this a new direction that wizards is going to go in and doing sales of singles and such and oh yeah and the cat one it's like yeah that war leader and then like the regal caracal the cat lord the art on all of these are amazing and it's one of each so um great for commander but as a collectible i think they're overpriced because like the very first one if you look on that list it's the five snow covered lands it's, yeah those were revered for a little bit too so it's just but it's just one of each so it's like it's only a collectible you can't play with them because it's only one of each and obviously a person wants to have all you know 12 or whatever planes to put into their deck and they're not going to buy 12 copies of the of the secret layer at $30 each. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, at the same time, they're optional. It's almost like yeah. buying a cosmetic in a game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't change the card other than it looks cool, right? Mm -hmm. So... I, I don't know. I, it is expensive, but I, I, don't, I don't find too much ire at Wizards from me for something like this. I think they're supposed to... The whole point of it is to be collectible, right? So yeah, yeah. Exactly. If you want to be that person with a whole set of snow-covered planes, then you probably <laughs> have the money to get a whole set of snow-covered planes. Yeah. Did you see the goblin one? All of those goblins are in that same sort of style, and it's like this sort of like flat style that they don't really do in Magic anymore. Well, all of these are like styles that they don't do in Magic, but uh, that goblin one really stood out because it's a really kind of like cartoony, kind of like Powerpuff Girls style, I would yeah. say. Absolutely, I understand what you're saying. Totally, uh, Demi Tarkovsky kind of kind of mm. vibe. Yeah, exactly. And there's that one that's kind of like eight bit or sixteen bit style. The the blue one from Serum Visions. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, so the cats. Um, I I would play these in a commander deck, I guess, except for that Kasali Slingers. It doesn't really seem to do that much, but definitely Leonin Warleader makes more cats. Miri is, is the commander and or Arabo. So I don't know why I didn't pick them up. I, I just, I was enmeshed in that these were coming out, but like, then I forgot, oh, you have to buy them today. It, they were all for sale. They were all for sale like on, on a Monday. And then if you didn't want to buy the whole set on the Monday, you could buy one of the sets on that on that one day for 24 hours so the cat one was like on the following friday or saturday or whatever mm -hmm. and i just forgot all about it and later on i'm like oh yeah those those released and i should have got it but i i guess i forgot you, you know what these kind of remind me of in in the pricing kind of reminds me of too like when they do something like modern masters where they release release that stuff and it's like insanely expensive yeah i just feel like that they're trying these are kind of their bougie like the bougie side you know yeah. what i mean mm -hmm. it's like I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make their, their, I don't even know what expensive bags are coach. They're, you know, their coach <laughs> bag of cards, you know, like you can have the regular one, but if you really want to be that guy, grab these. You know, yes. Well, I'm more of a Louis Vuitton person, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, again, you're talking <laughs> the wrong person about that. <laughs> well, I can fake it pretty well. Nice. Anyway, the, uh, 
that that's something that came out. And yeah, I support it. I think uh, there's pros and cons about it, but I think mostly pros in terms of if people want to bling things out, then yeah, have at it. And if you've got the money for it, you know, I'm not going to stop you from spending it. And if it gives you that that uh, that bling or that joy or whatever for your for your decks, then cool. Yeah, I'm all for supporting gaming. Um, I don't even people that buy stuff for Fortnite, dude, just put money into a games. I want to play games. Just I'm, I'm trusting the companies to put it back towards us. And they're not just banking all this money from this stuff, you know? So um, if these help, you know, drive up their profits and profits, make shareholders happy. And that makes them put more sets out. Then I'm all for it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, if only they would let us uh, have some of these co cosmetics on arena, but we'll see about that in the future. I think, I think it'll get there, but I think that they're, kind of slowly unrolling it so it's not like oh you guys are just forgetting about paper now everything's going digital you know yeah yeah very true one more topic um one more question here before the next question but on all of the sets that were released on arena is there any that you kind of felt like the 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 feeling or the style of it really stood out to you compared to all of them because there was ravnica allegiance War of the Spark, Corset 2020, Throne of Eldraine. Those are the ones that released in in 2019. Do any of those like make you feel like, I want to play that one the most? Wow, I totally forgot. To, sorry, I didn't mean to catch up. Mm -hmm. But I totally forgot to mention Ravnica Allegiance. Um, I like the Ravnica style the most. Mm -hmm. um, so if we were going to go based on art style, um, I think Ravnica Allegiance would definitely be one that, that uh, shakes my feathers a little better mm -hmm. um, than, say, something like Eldraine. Um, but uh, I had more fun playing the Eldraine set. Like I said, but maybe that's just because my interest in magic was higher at the time. I tend to go back and forth with magic. Sometimes I don't play for a long yeah. time. Sometimes I do a lot. But um, yeah, I think Ravnica would probably be my favorite style. Mm -hmm. I liked when War of the Spark was being previewed. I think Wizards did it really well in releasing cards in a story sequence. Um, I like playing with the cards. I like the art. I like the story, although I need to catch up on some of the lore on the last few sets. But I liked how Wizards was releasing these cards that had like story elements. One of the first ones that they released was called Ravnica at War. Now, the card wasn't that great, but it was like really getting you in into the story that this is the culmination of the Nicol Bolas arc. This is Ravnica... War has come to Ravnica. Here's a card that represents it in the title and so forth. And it was like one of the first cards previewed. So I really appreciated that from Wizards to put like a, a story throughout their their uh, previews. I did like that a lot. I really thought that the um, the the cinematic trailer that they put mm -hmm. out for it was amazing too, and that the fact that the uh, cards tied to it was even better. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to if we can narrow it down. Is there a favorite card or two or 10 or whatever that you liked in 2019? There were, oh, I just had it. I mentioned it on my, with my previous guest. So I'll load it up right now to, uh, let me just say something right here. Let me, here's a stat for you. There were 1,161 cards released in 2019 for Arena. So can you pick one? Uh, yeah, I could probably pick one. And I mean, there, there's the obvious contenders and, and I'm not picking based on like 
the the strongest card like sure. what, what would you probably pick like oko or something like that right <laughs> you know um stone coil or something like that would be they're very strong contenders for some of the best cards that came out um i actually watched a lot of reed duke um train for the mythic championship mm-hmm. uh he was running a Golgari deck and um, Beanstalk Giant was very strong on it. Hmm. So it kind of like, I never really thought about how much I liked that card until I started watching him play it. Um, especially because obviously it's a mana ramp and then it's a seven drop for however many lands you have is his power and toughness, right? Um, so when you run a card, say, which is here's another card that I'll say was one of my favorites, like Lucky Clover, you oh, get yeah. a double proc when mm-hmm. you run it, right? So um, I thought that was a really fun card. It really ramped up green the way green's supposed to be ramped. Um, you can throw it in an almost any other. You can make you know a green, white, a green, red, whatever you want, and it's still a very playable card in those sets. And he just becomes a big meanie, and you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a big fan of Beanstalk Giant, and especially watch watching Reed play it and how he knows how to play so well and explain everything that's going on. It really like made me. Um, that card stick out to me, and that was one that I didn't even really consider when I first saw the set. So, mm-hmm. um, Beanstalk Giant would definitely be one, um, and then again, Clover being another one because it's just a two drop, and there were so many um, of those uh, adventures that you can cast that it just really was great. Um, and I felt like Clover was really strong in black as well. Um, like one of the underrated cards I liked in black was Smitten Sword Sma- Sword Sm- uh, Smitten Sword Master. It's a hard one for me to say. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's a fun card. Uh, you gain life based on how many nights you have and the opponent loses life based on that as well. Mm-hmm. So it can really sneak in. And if people think, Oh, I got this game one yeah. and then you have a clover out and you drop a sword, sword master at the same time. Oh no, my life total just went up huge and I've won quite a few games with that card. So yeah. And it's just a single black mana to get that working, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. So it's just really strong. Um, so I thought I really like playing Golgari basically. And again, just watching Reed train for Mythic Championship and play that deck so much. I got a really in-depth like understanding of it. Um, so so that was great. And then um, just speaking of black, I'm going to flip it on to you. I hate Revenge of Revenge. That <laughs> card just needs to go away. I absolutely hate it whenever I run into it in draft. I'm like, because you just I don't you have to make your attack super worth it, you know? Yes. Um, so, so I really don't like that card. So and then um the last one I had, and I'm kind of rambling here, but I, it's a special mention, uh, Weapon Rack, again, oh. from Eldraine. Um, mm-hmm. I just really love that card for drafts. It's four mana and makes things bigger consecutive turns. Yeah. And then depending on what you're running, um, you run that, there's that white card that you can return a permanent to your hand, or there's several blue cards, so you can return it back to your hand and then just keep beefing stuff up. And in late game, I found it mattered a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like an interesting equipment, but it's not really an equipment, right? And then you pass these plus one counters onto your creatures, and if you manage to bounce it back or recur it, you can keep doing it. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I I see that one in draft, and I never quite pick it up because I think for me it's too slow, and I'm more I'm, I'm sort of like a stealth aggro player, even though I don't play a lot of red. But I not that I get impatient, but it's like I, I need to do my actions pretty fast-ish, so I feel like uh, that rack passing out the swords every once a turn, t- to me, felt a little slow, but I'm sure you've gotten good use out of it. Yeah, it, it, no, it's definitely slow, but again, like, I've had those games where they, like, it, they kind of draw out towards the end, and uh, so I was able to drop it and just, like, make a guy that much bigger, 
And then there's the other card that you can, I don't remember which one it is, but you can turn artifact into a creature. So if it's yeah. out of plus ones that you can put onto it and you can't get it back in your hand, you can make it into a creature if you have to. I think off. that's uh, Animating Fairy. Thank you. That's exactly it. I actually, in real life, cracked a booster pack and I got an Animating Fairy, but the 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 storybook variant and i love those have you have you seen any of them in real life the uh, the alternate art of those i have not in real life nope mm -hmm. well they're a good approximation on arena but what do you think about that style that they're like very like fairy tale-y art style compared to the other more realistic art i really like when they put out multiple art styles so i am all for it i like it i like it a lot um I think they should continue doing all of that stuff. Um, it just it makes it interesting, and it gets artists more work, and it showcases artists' work, and and that's just I'm happy on all fronts. It's good for everybody. I think they should continue doing it. Mm -hmm. Let me send you something on the Discord related to that. Here's one of my favorite alternate arts in all of Eldrain: the Rimrock Knight, the storybook version. I just love that art. It's like so cluttered but in a fun way and that 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 knight is just like he's like trying to escape boulders that are gonna squash him and stuff no i absolutely love it um i, I believe i own this uh alternate card style too on arena mm -hmm. that thing's rad that's one of the cards that i would pick as one of the ones that i liked because again okay a lot of you picked the smitten sword master and that was a common here's the rimrock knight who's also a common you know, for uh, for the two mana of the creature, you get a three one. So in a draft, you know, uh, a three one on turn two, ready to attack on turn three when your opponent hasn't quite set up, that'd be pretty good. But then also the instant of the one red target creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. I think the wizards really hit it out of the ballpark with having these cards that have two modes. It's kind of like you know a split card, but you know, it goes into exile and its whole mechanic and such. So what did you think overall about the this uh, these adventure cards? I actually really loved adventure. I really do. I love that it kind of sneaks in in an instant in a regular permanent mm -hmm. or a sorcery or whatever, you know, whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they did a great job with the like symmetry of what the thing does versus what the card cost is you know so beanstalk it's what three to put out an extra mana and then he's a seven drop mm -hmm. so by the time you have the enough to run the adventure on it as long as you drew okay you're most likely going to be able to cast the beanstalk giant in a turn or two you know what i mean mm -hmm. so especially if you're running a clover so i really thought that they did a great job of synergizing the um what the adventure was and what the base card is as well. And this is a good example right here, the Rimrock Knight. You know, if you're running a few of them, especially in draft, you, you drop, you know, one Rimrock Knight just for the 3-1, and then next turn you can make him a 5-1, and if yeah. he gets through, that's 5 damage. You yeah. know, like, so fast. Mm -hmm. And yes, he's very vulnerable, vulnerable but um, I just, I thought that was really smart. And especially, I'm a big fan. I've figured out that Boros is my play style hmm. i'd love to think that demir or control is i just don't think my brain wraps around it well enough or i don't know enough of the other cards my opponent might have to make it effective for me so i like to yeah. run red and white a lot because it's very aggressive and fast um and this is card exemplifies that so i like the in all adventures were a great um addition i i think to uh magic in general mm-hmm 
One of the cards that I enjoyed was Ayara, first of Lachtwain. She's the triple black legend, 2-3. And when she enters, it basically is this drain effect that I've always liked. Uh, when she enters the battlefield, your opponent is, drain is damaged for one and you gain that life. And then when any other black creatures are summoned, the same thing happens. So I've always liked that effect about slowly whittling down your opponent's health and, and then you you taking it like a vampire. And then because she's a, a really uh, cruel uh, elf noble, you can sacrifice any one of your black creatures and then you draw a card. So if that one like... Um, you know, whatever one one black creature isn't doing it, pulling its weight anymore. You can sacrifice it; and it'll turn into a card. I, I definitely like what you're saying the 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 leech slash vampire effect as well. I've actually had to concede a couple games where we were at a stalemate on the battlefield in terms of creatures. Neither mm -hmm. of us were attacking; we were basically in top deck mode. Mm -hmm. And um, the the drain is what I was like. I'm gonna die in four turns, and then you know what I mean. Yeah. So I basically eventually knew a concede was coming because. No, I knew what my draft deck had in it, so I was like, I have no win condition here. I'm just going to get drained out, you know? Yeah, no so, answers. Um, exactly. So I think especially, like, maybe if you're playing somebody where you guys both built your decks and you're going into it, it might not be as strong, but in a draft situation, it is definitely devastating. Mm -hmm. I have had in some constructed decks just like a barrage of this effect happening because i would put in like gutter bones that's another single black mana creature or what's that other one like sanitarium skeleton that's another single black creature or like the cat you know the, the cat that everyone hates um or uh yeah or the the dire link vampire the vampire dire whatever the death touch lifelink one one yeah exactly so you, I could go off with like two or three single black mana creatures, and that's already three damage to them, three life to me, and just uh, it keeps adding up pretty fast. Absolutely. One of the other cards that I enjoyed during uh, 2019, uh, well, in general, I liked all of the like the uncommon planeswalkers. Um, all of this time, for almost like the last 10 years, Planeswalkers have been around and they've all been mythic. Well, except for the very first generation in Lorwyn, which there was only uh, rare Planeswalkers because there was no such thing as mythic rarity when they first came out. But uh, Planeswalkers had always been mythic, so I kind of really liked seeing them as, as uncommon, that they weren't so overpowered, but they had interesting effects going on. And so to pick one of them, I really liked Davriel rogue shadow mage because he's got the player must discard a card i always like that kind of effect but then the static static ability is when the person's hand is low davriel deals damage to them during two damage during their their upkeep so uh, you add insult to injury literally uh, milling them and then also damaging them when it's their turn absolutely i know exactly which, which card you're talking about and it can definitely be um, effective mm-hmm so the planeswalkers are, are the are the cards that have voices. Do any do any voices, any voice acting or phrases stand out uh, from from the cards we have available? Uh, only the ones I saw all the time, which was Teferi and Oko. So I just <laughs> think I just there the the Teferi. He's got that very deep and oh, I forget what yes. he says, but it's like <laughs> this. And then you got the kind of little like laughing giggle of oko you know type deal yeah. so i don't even know like i've kind of blocked them out but yes like yeah. I, ju I just seeing so many of them and 
like I like I said, I run dailies a lot, and people who just run like the the regular play a match, you know, mm-hmm. um, for dailies, like they come with these such strong decks sometimes, and I'm out here just trying to play, you know, yeah. twenty red creatures, you know what I mean, or whatever, yeah. twenty red or white creature or whatever the daily might be, and then I just keep running into these monster decks, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, yeah. can I just have fun for a little bit? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People need to put their tier decks on the actual ladder. That's what that's for. Let us have fun and play fun, weird, dumb things on on the regular gameplay and earn our dailies. Yeah, um, but I, I've actually kind of leaned into it a little bit too because I have this one deck and I named it Dump, and it's a black-green <laughs> deck um, and it's just Steel Leaf Champions and um, <laughs> and uh, 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 the, the giant uh, T-Rex that gets cheaper the more power creatures you have out. I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. You know what I'm talking about, though. Galta. Um, yeah, thank you, Galta. So it's just, it runs Galta, um, Vine Mares, mm. uh, Steel Leaf, and those are all banned cards at this point, but you can still play them in that normal mode. So um, I run that deck and get a lot of quick concedes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the strongest deck I ever built, and I'm actually proud that I built that one. I took somebody's base idea, and I was like, ooh, this would be good, and ooh, this would be good. And then it just, it's it's a really nasty deck. That sounds kind of fun. Would you mind sharing that on the Discord in the in the deck list area? Absolutely, I'll, I will for sure uh, share that out. You know, it, it basically you need Lano War Elves yeah. and turn th- turn uh, three, you can get your Steel Leaf down. Yeah. yeah, and then it's just from there, you, you Galt is very quickly coming out. Yeah. If not, you get the Vine Mare or there's that other card. I can't, I'm really bad with card names, but the one where. It's hexproof unless you pay into it to make it not hexproof. But you can't creature non. You can't cast non-creature spells if it's on the battlefield. Um, is that the one that's green and red? No, 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 no. Um, I'll have to look. I'll, I'll share the deck list. But um, he's another good one. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Nullhide Ferox. That's what it is. And then anybody that tries to run discard against you, if you choose that one to discard, it goes right on the battlefield. That is a painful lesson that I learned months ago, yes. Yeah, I've had that happen a few times, and the person just, oops, you get that little oops. Yeah, and then if you don't concede fast enough, you know, your your shame is forever. Yep. Very rarely he will backfire on me, though, where um, I have only non-creature spells and not enough mana to pay into and play them. Like if I say I have a casualty of war in my hand, and I have a null hide on the battlefield, that, that turns that into a 10-mana card. Yeah. Pretty over or eight the top. Mana, sorry, eight mana card. Mm-hmm. But regardless, well, I think you picked some pretty cool, pretty cool cards out of our out of our pool from Standard twenty nineteen. Uh, any any final thoughts on any cards that came out? Uh, not really. I just I tried to pick ones that I felt that I I played a lot and and I felt like I had a decent understanding on. They're not the most splashy cards, but they, as we know in Magic, it doesn't have to be super splashy to be effective. So yeah. Well, my final pick to be completely on brand, there were actually 15 cat cards that were released. <laughs> Every time I see a cat card come out, I think of you. <laughs> yes, so there's a lot of fun ones to choose from, but I'm going to go, again, not for like the big power or whatever, but I'm going to pick Generous Stray. 
It's that common from right. um, Guilds of Ravnica, three mana. It's a one-two, but it brings you a little lizard for your trouble of summoning it. So I like that. And then the art of it is just so funny. He's like, uh, he's got the classic like the the ear. Like you can tell that this is like a really stray cat that it's kind of been mm-hmm. in a lot of scrapes, and the ear's got a little chunk missing. And his expression is like, "Here, I brought you a fish. You're welcome." Yep. And then there's a. Uh... That's awesome. Yeah, and then there's Charm Stray, which is the white version of that that gives you a draw card, right? No, that's the one that can plus one any other Charm Stray that is already on the battlefield. That's what it is. Okay, that's right. And then if you... Okay, that's correct. Yeah. Um, That's the one that, yeah, if you managed to to have the ultimate nut draw and you cast them all properly you're going to have a 4-4 a 2-2 a 4-4 a 3-3 a 2-2 and a 1-1 charm straight and they all have life link that's awesome oh generous straight was the one that where you get the card yes that's right oh that's what you meant by the okay i'm looking at the picture now and i was like what do you get a creature for that (laughs) no the liz ad now it makes sense okay (laughs) this is for you Yes. Well, that would be over the top that this cat brought another creature card for you um, yeah. onto the battlefield, but it brings you another card and it may have something valuable. But yeah, the, the art there, it's it's a little dead lizard on the steps of, of Ravnica. Yeah, I had to look it up because I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't know that card you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know which one you get a lizard with, but that's awesome. In real life, I, I I cracked like eight of them, so it's like I've got to put them in my deck and just not tell my opponent that I've got eight generous strays in my in my deck. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's probably to your detriment, anyways. <laughs> yeah, you can't quite win with with one twos in your deck. <laughs> no, it's probably not going to do it for you. Well, final topic as we record this podcast we're right in the middle of theros beyond death preview season so we've been getting a lot of um of new cards um any thoughts in general what about like the whole concept did you play during the original theros block okay so if the original theros block is the one i played in which was theros and um return what was it last what was the last one in that whole set it was journey to nyx I believe was the other one. Um, yeah, that's that's when I started getting back into magic heavily. Uh, we mm-hmm. actually had this conversation, I believe, on a prior podcast, so I'll spare you the <laughs> the, the diatribe. But um, yeah, so I did play Theros, and it was the set that just got me back into magic and learning the uh, mechanics again. So I'm excited for it to come back because a lot of the stuff is um, is familiar to me. Mm-hmm. I never played during Theros, but I did see a person playing a Theros deck. When I got back into Magic in 2017, someone brought a a Theros-focused deck, and I saw that there were these weird things that were enchantment creatures, and I couldn't believe that because back in my day, in the late 90s, there weren't such things as enchantments that were also creatures or vice versa. So I think story-wise, that's pretty cool that their enchantments and their creatures and their... Um, like borders are all shiny with like the constellation stars and all of that. So I didn't play with those original cards, but I can definitely see the draw, the draw in them. Yeah, I actually really love the art style too with the set, um, just with the gods and demigods and and just a lot of uh, space kind of sky 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 shots and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm excited to get back into this set. I'm pretty pretty hyped on it. Now, one of the recently revealed cards was the Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Any thoughts on that card? 
I would have to look at it real quick. So I didn't see this one. Oh, I I know this card because this this was in um this was in Theros beforehand yes. as well. Mm-hmm. So yep. All right. So this is in this a note that I had written down. Um, I think devotion is a really nice mechanic. I absolutely love it. Um, there's two sides of it. Um, Great Merchant is one where you'll see where it's he's a five drop for only a two four but then the devotion is baked into the abilities on the card Mm -hmm. which is really awesome so you lose x life where x is your devotion to black so if you have a strong devotion this card will actually absolutely rip Mm -hmm. um like you said earlier there are a lot of cheap one drop black cards so you can get your devotion up pretty quickly and then drop this down once you hit five mana um the flip side of devotion um also is you can get a lot of big guys out for cheap at first until you ramp your devotion up so um there's a couple of different ways you can play that say it's only like a three drop card that's like a four six but until your devotion's at like say five or six right mm-hmm. so it you can use it early game to kind of draw out some of your opponent's removal if you have other heat in your hand or um, you can just use it the way it's supposed to be used and get your devotion up slowly and have this looming threat on the battlefield, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty cool. Um, a lot of the ones that are small mana drops, but big cards that need high devotion also have static abilities like creatures you control get plus one plus one or that kind of thing or creatures yeah. you control get haste. So it makes it a target that your opponent is going to have to um, going to have to you know take into consideration. So, uh, after getting all of that, the Great Witcher Asphodel is very strong. Um, like I said, as soon as, especially like late game, uh, mm-hmm. because you drop that when you have a lot of permanents on the ground and it's pretty much, you're, it's over. You can flip the tides of the battle very fastly. Mm-hmm. Fastly, that's a new word. If you notice, the original printing was a common and now they're reprinting it and they're upshifting it to uncommon. That I did not know. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, with other what I don't know what other kind of cards are in the set, maybe um, it makes it that much stronger. So they want to make it a little more rare. I think so. I, I think they really are. They are leaning into devotion. The gods are back, and so you're going to need devotion for them to become creatures. So upshifting gray merchant over to uncommon, I could understand that because. Um, I, you know, I, I think limited can can last longer than constructed. So as the game goes on further and you've built more of those permanents, his effect will definitely be more devastating. So I can see why it got upshifted. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just some of these cards like here, Heliod Suncrown, he's a, it's a mythic rare, but he's a three drop, indestructible. Yeah. Um, Devotion needs to be five to turn him into a creature. That, then he's a five, five. Um, whenever you gain life, his static ability, put a plus one, plus one counter on a target creature or enchantment you control. So you can drop him early. He won't be used as a creature. He's a big threat later, as well as the fact that he's making everything bigger mm-hmm. whenever you gain life, which as for white, you're going to gain life. So, mm-hmm. And for added bonus, just pay two, one white and one whatever. Another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. So you can get him up really fast, too. Yeah, it- like I said, when I first got back into Magic and my opponent had these um, these enchantment creatures, it kind of blew my mind because it's like I was used to maybe killing a creature with like terror or something like that, that, that spell that 
kills any uh, non-black, non-artifact creature. But then it's like, well, then I can use disenchant, which would destroy artifacts or enchantments on a creature. So I thought it was really interesting that they went that route, making creatures to be also enchantments. And they're bringing it back here, and you can easily see them, you know, if you browse the whole set, you can easily see which are the enchantment creatures, because they have that. They brought back that little constellation star field to the borders of those of those kinds of cards. So it, I, uh, this is another example where, like, the style of the cards, obviously the cards are going to be their own thing and fun to play and such, but even just looking at the cards, enjoying them by the lore and the flavor and the art, um, I think Wizards is doing a great job on that, as always. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited for it. And um, yeah, this set, I mean, sagas are returning as yeah. well. Um, so that's something that's kind of new to Theros because they were not in Theros when I played it. Um, sagas were not cards you could draw, I don't think, in the no. original Theros. No, they just uh, came out recently in Dominaria. So they, they're pretty new to magic as a whole. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. Some of them have four steps instead of just your standard three. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting to me. Um I, like one card here, uh, uh, Mel- the birth of Melitus. It's a saga, and you know, first step is a mana ramp for white. So it's a two drop, and you get a search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, and put it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, then shuffle, and then second one gets a zero four wall artifact creature with defender, and then the third is you gain two life. And I mean, it's just for a two drop. It's a nice little bonus going on, basically on the side as you're playing. It's just extra stuff you're getting. So I like it. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been translated to English yet, but there is one in German that has four, four chapters. And this is, uh, let me send this over to you here because I'm using Scryfall as the, as mm-hmm. the, as the place to look these up. And they have the placeholder so far of this being called harder, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Yeah, I know. I love the art on that too, as well. It's like the the wall paintings and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so create a one one white human. Put three one one counters on a target creature you control. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you just get stronger and stronger. I see what's going on there. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the sagas. I play a few of them in some of my decks, um, and that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Which sagas have you like playing? Oh God, the names I can't. All right, I'll just have to Google it. Uh, it's the, there's a well there's a white one i guess all the colors but um the black one is target player discards a card right yeah that one is um the eldest reborn yes eldest reborn is one i i, I use a lot uh the flame of keld as well hmm. um because in red you know you discard your hand draw two cards it's basically a draw card if you want yeah especially if you're in red and you're being aggro you have no hand to discard so it's like two free cards Correct. Exactly. Which is what what I always, yeah. Right of Belzanok too is another one I oh, use okay. a lot. You beat the clerics, and then you get a six six, and you get them for a couple turns unless you can make more sacrificing creatures. That's the card that worked really well for me when I drafted on Dominaria. I snapped that one up, and I was able to make this six six flyer that wasn't able to be um, handled by by my opponent, and it just cost me, you know, these these zero one cultists that were glad to die to it. Yeah, no, honestly, and it's it's a generic answer, but every one of these saga cards, Song of Frey Elise, gives you mana dry, mana mana um, ramps, history of Benalia. I've seen that actually in top tier play. Yeah, um, I've seen that in some of the top tier decks. Like I've watched competitions, and you see that one get pulled out for white decks as well. 
Time of Ice is great as well in Control Decks. Yeah, I, all of these are really good. Um, it looks like the new ones are going to be just as good. Um, so it's going to just be another thing that people are going to have to focus on removing, basically. Uh, removal is going to be a lot bigger with all these enchantments. I feel. Yeah, I noticed uh, several removal spells are actually sending things to exile because we're getting the escape mechanic, which will let things come back from the graveyard. So that's so on flavor. Now, I don't I don't remember the, the story. I wasn't around for the original Theros, but the main character, to my knowledge, Elspeth, ended up in the underworld, aka the graveyard, and now she's back. So there's this new escape mechanic that you can pay this extra cost, exile stuff from your graveyard, and things keep coming back from your graveyard over and over. So there's more removal with exile just to clean out that graveyard. I wonder... What implications will this have for like, you know, like uh, dredge decks and stuff? Yeah. Are people going to be digging a lot more out of graveyard? Are you going to be a lot like uh, less wary of putting stuff in your own graveyard when you're playing green or black? Because, you know, you can get them back not using another card. You can just use your mana already, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. because a lot of the like a lot of the cards to get things out of your graveyard, you need another card to proc it on this one. You just need mana. You know, mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes. Um, I think one of the one of the tips for beginning players is that your your graveyard could also be a second resource. I think beginning players often think, well, there's my discard pile. I'm not using these cards anymore. But as you get more advanced in magic and if your colors support it, the graveyard could be like a second hand that you can tap into a second resource. Oh yeah, if you're and especially with escape, like if you're in top deck mode and you got some cards in your graveyard, you have a lot more opportunity to do things. So that's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Now you you might not know, but way back in the beginning, when uh, some of the first graveyard focused cards were being printed, uh, Wizards actually printed a little tombstone on the top left corner of the card to remind you that this can be this can still be used from the graveyard. Oh, that's cool. I did not know that, actually. Yeah, those are from the old cards way back, like in the Tempest block, late 90s, early 2000s, to remind you that you could uh, reuse these cards. They had a separate little symbol up there. That's awesome. There's actually um, a lot of uh, interesting creatures coming back as well, mm -hmm. or, or in the set that I, I saw one was a, a zombie hydra. I thought that was a pretty interesting... Um, yeah, there's a zombie hydra creature in this set. Um, there's horse fish in this set. A lot of satyrs in this set. Yeah. Merfolk as well. Well, any any one card, just like browsing what's appeared here, any one card that just stands out to you um, that you might want to uh, be interested in playing in the future? Uh, yeah. Um, this, this one's pretty... So we were just talking about sagas, and this one kind of just poked at me because of how big its first step is. So it's Kiora ba uh, Best the Sea God. It mm. is a 7-drop. You need 2 blue for it and 5 whatever. Uh, create a 8-8 blue Kraken creature token with Hexproof. That's the first step. Second steps, tap all non-land par per permanence target opponent controls. They do not untap during their next untap step, which is very blue. <laughs> and third is gain control of target permanent and opponent controls. Untap it. So those are three very devastating steps, um, in my opinion. And um, not only do you just get an 8-8 Kraken that's hexproof <laughs> to begin with, then all your guys are unusable for the next two turns, essentially. 
oh, and then I'm going to take one of your guys. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I thought that was pretty strong for a seven drop. Getting an eight, eight creature with hexproof to begin with is pretty good. And if that thing stays on the ground, uh, that's probably the game right there. Yeah. That definitely sounds fun. Um, the mana investment on the one hand sounds big, but again, like in a in a limited environment where things could go longer, yeah, getting eight mana shouldn't be too hard, especially if you've uh, crafted the deck well. Honestly, what I've been noticing too, with even with more of the more recent sets, like I have been getting the mana I need. Like, yes, in limited more so than obviously if you're playing regular match, but um, I have not had issues getting the mana I need for these very big cards for the most part. I think they've not only added cards that help you ramp to get there, but the games just last long enough to where you're probably going to draw enough to play it. So, again, you know, obviously that's not something I'm expecting to play like turn four or five if I, you know, I'd love to. But, uh, you know, if, if we're kind of stalling out a little bit or whatever, you top deck that bad board or you've been holding it since your, you know, beginning, yeah. um, I feel like it could be something strong. And again, that's just something I uh, browsed as we were looking. I was looking through Scryfall here as we were chatting. So uh, I thought that would be a fun one to play. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you my final pick, the one that I know is going to be in several um, top tier decks this season. So this is my pick for the best Theros Beyond Death <laughs> card. Vexing Goal. Wow. That, wow. How is that a thing? It's a three casting cost, two, two flyer with flash. And the art is some of the most amazing art I've ever seen. It is just the most literal <laughs> art ever. This happy little seagull, actually kind of really cool colors on it. It's got like blues and browns on it. So this happy little seagull is stealing this tasty fish out of that fisherman's boat. And the guy's really mad back there. I think my whole, my favorite part of this whole thing is easily him shaking his fist at the seagull. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's just literally shaking his fist. Damn you! It's like it's happened several times to him and he got foiled again. It's probably the same one and maybe this is going to be a legendary gull at some point. Can you just put some lids on your fish crates then? I mean, <laughs> come on. This doesn't look like it's the first time this and then the flavor text. May the skies be clear of gales and gulls. And that's a Miletian prayer. The bottom of it should say, may you please get lids for your fish storage receptacles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That is an awesome card. I'm glad you brought that up. I would have never caught that if you brought that up. So thank you for doing that. This is right on the edge of like a funny card art and just funny card in general. Like uh, I think Eldraine walked this fine line of like serious cards plus funny cards. And some of them that were funny really were kind of like going way close towards um, like unstable and stuff. Um, I just thought of one to, I don't know if you ever saw that one. Did you ever see that one? What's it called? Did you ever see that one Eldraine card with the guy wrestling a bear? I did. I did, and that's incredible. That's so, incredible. I think if they sprinkle in some of these fun things here and there, it's. I think that's good, and I think vexing gull is just one of them because, like, I swear I can hear that little gull just like laughing at the guy because he doesn't put lids on his baskets. I want somebody to just make a deck where you know, like, you get a lot of bonuses for flashing or whatever. So, like, that just 
this card just becomes the thorn in your side, right? Like it's not too bad, but like, oh, he flashed another goal in. Gosh darn it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just and then and then just for your own, I mean you get to see and I would just put my hand in the air just like the guy on the boat. <laughs> You're gonna cosplay that guy in the boat. <laughs> that, that that would I would do it, but I don't know if there would be maybe one person, maybe pick up that I was the guy in the boat, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> I just walking around with a barrel of fish and my arm in the air. Well, it'll work when you and your significant other dresses up because then she'll dress up as the gull with a fish. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I can't believe that flavor text is a prayer too. <laughs> it's I guess it's ironic because like I guess it's happened enough because obviously if there's gales, if there's strong winds, you don't want to get caught in them. Uh, and then of course if you don't want to get your catch stolen, you want to watch out for the gulls as well. No, apparently. So as we wind down, any any thoughts in general about anything? 2019 in magic or 2020 in magic? Um, I am just excited um that arena is a thing, like I said, for somebody with how much time I have in life and, and money wise, it, it is absolutely amazing for me to play it. Um I log in almost every day to at least do the dailies. Um and that just that's enough for me at this point um i'm excited to see what the sets bring forward and what the client will have moving forward um i do want to make a kind of a resolution this year to go to more Mm pre-releases um in person um those i don't do like say i'm not huge on like say friday night magic or that kind of stuff but i do love pre-releases um i'm not the best magic player in the world as probably anybody listening has probably gathered but i love playing the game and i do you know um take it quote unquote seriously mm-hmm. so when i go to something like a pre-release i feel like the the sealed element makes the playing field a little more leveled yeah um so i always have fun doing that and that's going to be kind of a resolution for me is to try to do a pre-release for each set this year that would mm-hmm. be great I think that's a good resolution. I think it's attainable because we have, uh, you know, four sets uh, throughout the year, I suppose. We're going to have Theros Beyond Death, Ikoria, Corsa 2020, and a new Zendikar. So there's going to be four times, you know, once per quarter next year that might be cool to go out and, and play real paper. I didn't get to do it very much last year um i did go to the war of the spark one and i thought it was pretty enjoyable so maybe i'll borrow your resolution as well and try to head out to the the local shop to to join in on the camaraderie and trying the real cards in real life yeah oh i the not only was the trying and i'm glad you brought this up not only was trying out the new cards and the experience fun but the camaraderie was really fun because it like so i had the first pre-release i did in a long time i my, the, my first opponent was really nice guy mm-hmm. um and beat me up horribly <laughs> but after he beat me he said let me look at your deck and what you got and help me like make a better deck out of what i had mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and like totally retooled my deck and then i went on to win like most of my last next last games oh, very so nice. like he was totally cool like when i made mistakes in in when i can cast things or whatever like they everybody would literally everyone i played and i know this doesn't always happen for everybody but everybody i played was totally like okay don't worry about it you know i'll let you take that back or or whatever you know so um yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because i did have fond experiences just with the camaraderie aspect Mm -hmm. of playing magic so that's kind of what i'm looking forward for forward to 
Yeah, that's the gathering part of Magic the Gathering. When I went to the War of the Spark one, there was an old timer like myself that also had been playing since the 90s. And uh, then there were like two, my other two opponents were were like young kids, like literally they were like 12 and 13 and stuff. And they were just getting into Magic from the digital version. They were trying it out in paper. And one of them that was so proud to have cracked uh, Nicol Bolas, uh, what was the Nickel Bolas in in War of the Spark? Nickel Bolas, you know, OP guy, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, he managed to get to to crack that one, and he's like, "Wow, I got the best card in the whole set." And I did manage to beat him, but you know, sometimes you don't you don't always get the best card at the right time. Yeah, no, not always, but absolutely, I understand what you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> yep, I had I had a good time. The funny part about playing in person is when I win, I feel bad. Do you get that ever? <laughs> Um, hmm. I, I haven't, haven't thought about it too much. If I go to like a pre-release, um, hmm, that's, that's a good point. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel bad. Like I, I like beat up on somebody and, and they know <laughs> personally, maybe I have a little empathy, a little more empathy than most or something, but I always feel a little bad when I do it. I, I definitely do. Well, if everyone seemed to have fun and was able to play the cards that they needed, I, I wouldn't take it so bad, but if it was a big old stomp, then then maybe maybe I would. But I think being empathetic to your opponent, because I know that when I'm playing arena, I do forget that there's another person on the other side sometimes, and I don't like that. I, I want to remember that there's another person on their own computer battling me, and we're all trying to top deck the best card, and we're all trying to play our best. So I think another good resolution is, especially if you play arena, remember that there's another person on the other side of that screen. Oh yeah, that is another good one as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Keeb, uh, let's uh, tell everyone again when, uh, where they can find you online. Again, my name is Keeb. I go under the moniker Keeb Plays. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Plays or twitter.com slash Plays. Those are the two most used social medias. I also have a Discord and you can find the links on either of those social medias or on, on Twitch. Perfect. Thank you so much. Hope to get you some more traffic and jump in on the streams and and uh, hang out with you too. Absolutely. I look forward to watching your streams. I always have a good time, man. You look so cool in your glasses. <laughs> I'm wearing them right now as I record the podcast. No one's watching, but it's true. <laughs> awesome. As for myself, I'm over on Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos. I'm on YouTube. I've got a bunch of YouTube videos and a bunch of magic stuff and comic book stuff, etc. That's youtube.com slash vmcamposjr. I stream on that YouTube and Twitch Saturday nights, 11 p.m. Pacific time. On Twitch, it's just twitch.tv slash vmcampos. And lastly, I'm over on Patreon. If people want to follow for free, you can keep up to date with everything that I do. I publish everything that I do on Patreon, and you'll get alerted if you just follow. If people go to the $1 tier, they unlock cool stuff. And if they go to the $2 tier, I'll actually mail them vintage magic cards from my collection. No, not a Black Lotus. In thanks for people to have followed me. So that's where people can find me. Once again, Keep, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.